Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. This week, how Arizona's shortage of mental health professionals in schools can affect students. When it comes to student-to-school counselor ratios, Arizona is among the worst. The most recent data from the American School Counselors Association show that there were more than 700 students for every counselor in Arizona. While that number is down from more than 900 students per counselor five years ago, it's still nearly triple the ratio that the group recommends. Maria Paletta is a reporter for the Arizona Center for Investigative Reporting. She's focused on covering inequities in education. A recent article of hers focused on the shortage of school counselors and mental health counselors, looking at it through the story of a middle school student. We began our conversation about that student's story. We spoke with a 13-year-old student who had been struggling with anxiety since she estimated about second or third grade she was diagnosed and actually had switched schools a few times based on some of her struggles with that. She most recently was at a Phoenix charter school and she said, you know, teachers tried to be very supportive. Um, it wasn't for, for a lack of trying, but they had no dedicated counselor, social worker, anything like that. They made you know, a so-called quiet space where students could go if they were kind of having trouble. But even that was was not really that quiet and there was no support for her when she went in there. So she ultimately ended up switching to online schooling um, this most recent school year and also has been a vocal advocate for more mental health resources in schools with the state superintendent. Before we get too far into what the numbers say, let's just give some definitions if we can. You mentioned social workers, psychologists, school counselors. When I was in school, they were all just school counselors. But uh, for people my age uh, who may not know the difference, can you give us some differences? Sure. So counselors generally take the lead on short-term counseling and, and academic advising. Probably everybody remembers, you know, especially in high school, talking to their counselor about college and things like that. But they can help with mental health, um, typically some short-term counseling services or outside referrals. Social workers are more focused on connecting students and their families to concrete resources such as, you know, it could be anything from clothing vouchers and food banks to community organizations. And then school psychologists have more of a clinical focus, so they can provide those mental health assessments, they can intervene when students are in crisis. That's that's generally how I would define them, but with the caveat of that, there can be a lot of overlap, especially if you have only one of those on a campus. So, you know, any of those professionals could, for example, refer a student to um, an outside mental health service or could lead a student support group on campus. So there is overlap, but they have different backgrounds and areas where they specialize. So let's talk about the numbers. Looking at them big picture, for most of Arizona, it seems like those ratios are woefully high, which is not good in this case. Tell us what you found. 
Arizona student to mental health professional ratios are among the worst in the country. They're in some cases up to 13 times higher than what experts recommend. Starting with counselors, the recommended ratio would be one counselor for every 250 students. Most recently, uh, Arizona had about one counselor for every 700 plus, and that's actually better than it was just a couple years ago when we had one for every 900 plus. So in, in that, we're moving in the right direction, but it's still a few times higher than it should be. Um, social workers, even worse, recommended as, again, one social worker for every 250 students. Instead, we have one social worker for every about 3,300 kids. And then for school psychologists, the, the suggested ratio is one to 500. So a little more wiggle room with that, but ours is more like one to 1,500. You said, though, in some areas it's getting better. Still not at the recommended, but there is a level of improvement. There is. So um, last year, the State Department of Education announced it would dedicate about $21 million from ESSER, which is one of um, the emergency pandemic federal relief packages to unfunded campus counselor and social worker positions. Schools had requested those as part of the um, state school safety grant program. That had actually been created several years ago to fund campus law enforcement, but in 2019, it was expanded to, to fund counselor and social worker positions, many of which had been lost actually during the Great Recession. Um, some of those still have not come back, but after that expansion, there was a huge response from schools. Schools asked, I think, for almost 900 campus mental health uh, positions, and the state could only fund fewer than 400. The rest were put on a wait list. Um, the ESSER funding or that federal relief funding went to help fund that wait list. And that ESSER funding, that federal funding, you pointed out the Vail School District in southern Arizona got a good chunk of that, and it seems like it made a difference in that district. Absolutely. Vail was one of the districts that uh, we spoke to in depth. They were, I believe, able to bring on eight new counselors uh, for their various schools using those ESSER funds. And those professionals, they said, have been able to help connect families to outside mental health services, whether that's counseling or group therapy. They've led social skills groups um, for anxiety, grief, but most striking, suicide interventions in that district have increased dramatically um, after the school system brought those professionals on, according to district officials. Your reporting showed that overall, Arizona does not rank very highly when it comes to youth mental health. A, what does that mean and how much of that is tied back to this lack of counselors in schools or are there other things going on here? Well, much like uh, the ratios for mental health professionals on campus to students, Arizona students uh, themselves are among the worst off in the nation when it comes to unaddressed mental health problems. We as a state rank at or near the bottom on several key indicators of youth well-being, such as percentage of kids with untreated depression. Um, even before the pandemic, according to Mental Health America, about 90,000 Arizona uh, youth had experienced a major depressive episode during the school year before the pandemic. 
nearly 70,000 of them didn't get any help for that. And things have seemingly only gotten worse since COVID-19 hit. And not just in Arizona. Um, Federally, a recent federal report on pediatric emergency room visits showed an increase in the number and proportion of visits for some of these psychological concerns and for symptoms of mental health conditions and substance abuse nationwide. So both here and and throughout the country. I know you asked um, how much is that tied to, you know, what is available on campus? <laughs> that That's a difficult question to answer. I would say at least some of it, because as we were talking to experts in reporting this story, they really emphasized the importance of access and bringing mental health services to students as opposed to a scenario where students and their families have to get them to an outside um, service, which you know disproportionately affects uh, parents and families who are perhaps lower income, who have you know inflexible work schedules, who don't have reliable transportation. All right. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks so much for having me. That was Maria Paletta, a reporter with the Arizona Center for Investigative Reporting. The Arizona Department of Education's School Safety and Social Wellness Program oversees efforts around mental health and schools. Michelle Cabanillas is director of the program. I started by asking how the number of mental health staff in schools has changed in recent years. The number of school counselors and social workers in Arizona has increased dramatically in the last few years, uh, especially in part to the inclusion of school social workers and school counselors as part of the school safety uh, program grant. Um, Since then, we have been able to increase the number of school counselors um, to 318 additional school counselor positions in schools since 2019 and 181 additional school social worker positions. So almost um, around 499 new uh, positions in schools that support mental health of our students and educators. We know that those numbers are still below the recommended numbers, though, as you said, coming up. So how do schools and school districts make up for the deficits? I think all of them are in a different place on how they're able to support that. Uh, We have been able to make a big difference in the amount of personnel that's available in the schools to support mental health. But each school district has to look at the different funding um, pots that they have and determine what they're able to afford and where they can pull uh, money from to support those positions. I myself, I'm a former school social worker and uh, my position was never funded through the school safety program. Uh, My school districts um, were able to determine the importance of having me on their campus as a support to their students and staff. And I was paid out of different funding sources such as MNO, uh, Title I funds, um, special education funding. Uh, so there are several different options for them to look at. Um, but, you know, there's also competing priorities and what those funds could be spent on. We've seen some schools that don't have counselors. And counselors, of course, do more than mental health. They do all kinds of things like 
education and career plans and college readiness. Who handles all of that if there's not a counselor? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I think from my perspective, when we have been able to fund social workers and counselors in schools, our administrators are so grateful um, to have that expertise on their campus. And those schools that have not had a social worker or a counselor before, they just don't know how they did it before <laughs> they had uh, their social worker or counselor. I would say that there's probably a lot of needs that are not being met and that they're just having to scramble to determine who can meet those needs. There's a program called Project AWARE. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Project AWARE and how it plays into the efforts to boost mental health staff at schools? Yes, Project AWARE is a grant through uh, the federal government, SAMHSA, that currently in Arizona, we have two different Project AWARE grants that support um, the establishment of, of mental health supports in schools and systems that allow for the mental health needs of our students to be met through the development of policy that addresses uh, mental health um, needs in schools, as well as the development of systems uh, to provide referrals to behavioral health agencies in the community and collaborate uh, with the behavioral health agencies in the community with the teams that we have in schools to support the mental health of our students so that no student goes without having their mental health needs met and making sure that we are able to comply with the current legislation that requires educators to um, receive suicide prevention training. You mentioned Project AWARE is a federal grant. There are other federal grants out there that are helping school districts and individual schools out, but we know federal grants end. Mm -hmm. What happens when those end? We are currently in the process of looking at another iteration of the Project AWARE grant to be able to uh, bring those funds into Arizona and to our schools here in Arizona. Um, but we are always looking at different funding opportunities and always communicating our needs, um, relaying that information to our administrative team here at ADE to see what else can be done. All right. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you for having me. That was the Arizona Department of Education's Michelle Cabanillas. You're listening to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. We're looking at how school mental health professionals affect the lives of Arizona students this week. The Marana Unified School District has some of the best student-to-counselor ratios in southern Arizona, though still well above the American School Counselors Association recommended level. To learn more about the importance of what counselors do, we sat down with Mary Kay Vanderplue and Melissa Golahar. Both are counselors at Marana High School. Vanderplue is a career and college counselor and the department chair, while Golahar handles more social-emotional needs. We met with them just after lunchtime, and I started by asking what the first half of their day included. Golahar answered first. Today I started off with my list of things I wanted to do, setting up the senior presentation, doing some other activities, and inevitably there's a different plan for me when the day gets started. So I had a couple criers this morning, having a little hard time getting started with the day, and then some students that were 
recommended to come down just for some academic things, some career career questions, and then a parent came in with some concerns. So I'm hoping to get to those pres- the presentation at some point. Mary Kay, what's your day looked like so far? Well, it really depends. So I'm a college and career counselor here on campus. We have two of them uh, here at Marana High School, and which is very unique. Uh, not many high schools uh, have positions devoted for just college and career. I also have department chair responsibilities. So today I helped a student who um, his GPA isn't the highest and he has certain places he would like to apply to college. So reassuring him, uh, talking about ways of advocating for himself because he is meeting with a college admissions rep next week he wanted guidance should I take the SAT again I think you know he said I struggled with math my sophomore year of course it was during COVID um, but I'm a good math kid but it doesn't reflect on my transcript so what can I do so we we talked about that Um, I teach a jobs class here on campus and which it started uh, five years ago with 12 kids and now I have 60 close to 60 I think 58 students right today I keep getting one or five every week and so our unit right now is uh, developing a good resume and particularly today we discuss resume objectives so that was a lot of fun and and I always try to bring games into it like today we played a match game they're teenagers, so there was candy on the line, so they were very engaged. That was my morning, and then between things, I had a, a, an employer in Marana call me and say, hey, I need dishwashers. So I said just in time, because I every Tuesday afternoon, I post jobs in the Marana Northwest Tucson area for our students to apply to. It sounds like a typical day does not exist. Everything changes time to time, you know, minute to minute. How often do plans get blown up, especially by kids, I hate to say in crisis, but you mentioned, you know, you had kids in the office crying this morning. How often does that happen? That, since COVID, that seems to be a lot more frequent, that students now are having a much more difficult time coping. A lot of them don't have coping skills because they were home for so long and having those social interactions is challenging. Plus this is a this is a large campus. The class sizes are 30 plus and again not being in that environment for a year and then coming back to so many kids, so many different personalities, it, it's frequent and just in our hallway it happens at least to one of us every day. One of the counselors is tied up with something unexpected every day in that regard. How much of your business, for lack of a better term, is walk-in versus appointments? Well, as I said, they're teenagers. So they they still have that, they have that mindset because they're adolescents that uh, my emergency needs to be your emergency right now. For example, we're going to be offering the PSAT uh, in a few in about three, four weeks. So today I've had lots of kids at the last minute. I mean, the deadline really was Friday, but we've got, we had some hiccups with Google and whatnot that uh, maybe they haven't paid yet. They need to pay. And I'm like, tomorrow, four o'clock, 
absolute deadline and and that sort of thing and i think that also goes into the fact with their executive skills um the covid 19 really put our kids at a significant deficit in executive skill functioning meaning they maybe they were procrastinators before but now they're major procrastinators uh time management is a problem uh being able to uh control our emotions being able to maybe step back, reflect on how we're going to talk to one another, how we're going to handle this situation, how to advocate for ourselves, has really, it, 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 we're relearning a lot of skills. It's not just the academics that we're trying to get them back on track, but it's those interpersonal communication skills. With the things that students have to be relearning, as you were talking about Mary Kay. Melissa, are, are you having to relearn your job also? It's definitely been a challenge in that, you know, when I first started, the rule of thumb was 15-minute appointments, 15 minutes for a school counselor. If they need something more, they either need to contact parents or they might need some outside services recommended. Now, if we did that continually, we would be doing a lot of referrals, a lot of parent phone calls. So it is, it is teaching us to be more, more open to what's coming through, like to see if they just truly need to be taught. Again, you know, how do you cope with this? This isn't the end of the world. This is something that we can walk through. And it might take a little bit longer than I would have done in the past. So, it, yeah, it is a learning curve, I think, for all of us. How much of your work, and it sounds like it's changed since COVID, is more mental health versus helping find jobs or get into college or whatever the next step is post-high school? I think it has changed. I think um, we've got some added uh, obstacles that maybe... If I look back, I mean, this is my 30th year in education. 30 years ago, I didn't have to compete with a smartphone. Our children are addicted to screens, to be quite honest. And it, and it became apparent that that was the go-to uh, two and a half years ago. I mean, they had to be on a screen to learn, right? And so it just became a natural thing. It's a double-edged sword. It, it's a positive thing. But it can also be a, a barrier, too, because if a student is on a phone, are they on the phone because they're checking their grades? Or are they on the phone because they're looking at the latest TikTok? We have really tried to rein that in this year, which I think has been a significant um, positive thing for our students. But it's very difficult for parents. They allow their kids to have these devices, and now we need a find the time, the right time and place to use those devices. And it's it's wonder it's very challenging for reigning teenagers in. And I also believe that the pandemic maybe brought to light a lot of other things, mental health problems, again going back to the executive skills. And then addiction. A lot of I don't want to say particular students of course, but if you look at societal, sorry, 
It's now uh, fifth period. Say so we are in a high school just yes. for everyone who is wondering. <laughs> we are now in fifth period. Uh, there have been problems with self-medicating or maybe some kids have been experimenting. They experiment a little bit, but when you were left home to your own devices for long periods of time, it can become an addiction. So we've had to work through those things and we are lucky as a school system. We have a strong um, counseling department here at Marana High School. We have behavior interventionists. We have a behavior interventionist on our campus that works with students. We have a social worker here's who is here full time helping students who might have gotten in trouble with addiction and are coming back to campus. And, and we have an amazing community outreach programs that, that we take part in, that we work with to help us with those mental health challenges. You mention all of those services that are available to the student body here. Looking at the data, Marana Unified has a good counselor to student ratio, still higher than the recommendation, and there are districts that have much higher than the recommendation. What would your jobs be like and what would student life be like and parental life as part of the, the school community if you had the right number of counselors and support that goes with all of that? Yeah, that would definitely be, I, I can't even imagine, so as I said, I came from a Chandler district, which had a huge amount, like 900 to 1 ratio. So if we had what is recommended, we could really spend a lot more one-on-one -on -one time with students, really get to, to know them on an individual basis, and put together more prescribed types of groups or interventions for those students specifically. But, you know, being here, this is one of the, the districts I've seen has the most supports in place. And it's really exciting to see that we have these different avenues and we meet often as teams to discuss different students. And, and that's a benefit that I haven't seen in other districts, honestly, where we can meet together and talk about students that we might have questions on. So it's the utilization of our staff here is very, very impressive to me from what I've seen from other districts. But we're still shorthanded. Yes, yes, for sure. We mm -hmm. uh, are down a counselor, and we've been down a counselor since February. And sadly, I mean, this is, this is not just a Marana problem. This is an Arizona problem. This is a United States problem. I mean, even finding a therapist right now, if you have mental health issues, can be three to six months down the road before you get that first initial visit. In our role, it's a blend of both the um, social, emotional, mental health piece, but it's also the academic piece. We're not mental health therapists, but we try to assess what a student needs in order for them to thrive and be successful so then when they're in the classroom, they can be successful. So for our listeners, most who have had interactions with high school counselors over time when they were in high school, 
What would surprise them that they don't know about your jobs? <laughs> Melissa, you're laughing. Yeah, so I, you watch the different shows where they show the counselors just sitting back, <laughs> drinking coffee. It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> Sometimes there's something waiting right when we walk in the door. So I think our, our ultimate goal, and I, again, I don't, I don't think a lot of the adults that I've dealt with that aren't in education realize that we do spend a lot of time in the classroom. We spend a lot of time with students one-on-one, -on -one, regardless of our caseload sizes. We'll meet with them about their credits. And when we meet with students about credits and what they want to do after high school, you can't help but get that social emotional piece in. They don't come in and just talk about that. They talk about, you know, their breakups and fights with their friends. And, you know, so it's never just black and white. Our meetings are usually very involved because they are teenagers. Like they, they their minds are everywhere at once and it's it's not as simplistic as it looks. And the college application process has changed ex exponentially in the last 10, 15, 20 years uh, that we have parents coming in going help. Uh, the FAFSA, the Free Application for Financial Student Aid. Um, my counterpart, uh, Brian Pisetsky, he, he handles a lot of the FAFSA and the college application piece. I joke that he must have a, a degree in accounting, understanding uh, the FAFSA and being able to articulate it to, to families. And we have a large population of families on our campus. This is first generation. This is their first time at the rodeo applying to college, applying for scholarships, uh, figuring out financial aid for their children. And it's very scary and intimidating. So we, we really try to help families with that as well, where uh, if for your listeners, that might not have been the case back 20, 25 years ago of what it, what it takes to apply to college and, and all of the pieces after that. All right. Well, thank you both for spending some time with us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That was Mary Kay Vanderplu and Melissa Golahar, counselors at Marana High School. And that's the buzz for this week. Tune in next week as we look at how what are often called forever chemicals have ended up in Tucson's water supply and what's being done to remove them. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Zach Ziegler is our producer with production help from Samantha Lornan. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer and our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.